0: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm back. This is the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen, a weekly audio podcast that covers everything sports in the Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio region. No faffing around, no unnecessary chatter, no focusing on that school in Columbus like other shows, just good, honest, local sports happening in Southwest Ohio, Northern Kentucky, and East Central Indiana. Be sure to bookmark sindaypod.com for ways to listen and podcast merchandise. Theme song by Kevin McLeod on freepd.com. Here's your host, Lee W. Mallon. Yes, my dear listener, I have returned. And the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast is still alive. Great to have you aboard. This is episode 214 and the first of my new Home studio. By home studio, I mean I have a small desk in the dining room in the corner, and this is where I'm going to be doing my podcast now. I got my handy-dandy Rode mic all set up with my Zoom P4, and I am ready to go. Thanks for the patience. I'm glad to be back here on this podcast. But there are some things we're going to talk about and not necessarily local sports. Originally, my thought was, I'm back, yay, now, you know, here's local sports. Trust me, though, you still get a lot more local sports in this podcast than you do on that radio station in Dayton, because they like to focus on that team in Columbus. I'm not talking about the crew or the Blue Jackets or the Clippers. I'm talking about that school in Columbus, you know, where everyone decides, hey, we should cover them because, you know, they have the state in their title which is something that I highly disagree with, and it's something that we don't talk about in this podcast. So if you want more That Team in Columbus section, just go listen to Wing or something. I'm sure they have plenty of it for you. So, one whole month plus a few days. As you know, I've been in the process of moving, and we finally, my fiancé and I, we finally got the move done just this past Saturday, and it took a lot out of us. It took us three days to move out of that apartment where we spent six years together. And now a bigger place, and hopefully more opportunities coming my way. Again, got my own little dedicated corner for podcasting. Hopefully, it's not too echoey or rattly or anything. This is, I mean, I, I don't want to say a brand new setup, but it's a lot better than just, you know, sitting on the bed and recording the podcast and having all that shaking going on from my headset. So luckily, it's a lot better. But like I mentioned, there was a lull of episodes you might know. And honestly, I did think about shutting down the podcast. And there's a couple reasons why. And I like to talk about it for a certain time. So, why did I need the break? Well, moving is the big reason. Also, starting up my Champion City Kings broadcasting gig. It's been going along fairly well, and I'm very excited to still be a part of it. So, you know, that's happening. Dayton Dragons, of course. So, lots of baseball for yours truly. Seen a lot of baseball, following up with a lot of baseball. The Kings, the Dayton Dragons, the Cincinnati Reds. Six-game winning streak, sadly snapped last night. San Diego came back against uh, Amir Garrett, and Victor Carantini had a walk-off two-run home run after the Reds had a go-ahead two-run home run. Then the bullpen gave up four runs in the ninth, which, you know, that sucks, obviously. But still like the way the Reds have been playing. So moving is the big reason why I need the break, but... During the time where you know I wasn't doing the episodes, I was considering what does this podcast have in store. I mean, lately the numbers haven't been great. Uh, the lull and new episodes that definitely doesn't help. But yeah, just listenership has been down, like considerably down, and that you know that wears on you. You you craft, you grind, and eventually you grind too much, and you just, you know, kind of get burned out on it. And unfortunately, I think that's what happened to me. I mean, I I feel like I do a better job than the local radio station in town that covers nothing but Ohio State and the NBA. I feel like this is a lot better than listening to the national talking heads, because every time I try to listen, it's about the same topic over and over and over again, just with different voices. Who wants to listen to the same crap? I don't. So that's why I don't even listen to sports radio anymore. If I want information, I'll just go on social media. It's all the same crap. And just having two sports stations in Dayton, you think there'd be you know some variety. But no, it's terrible. And that's why I started this podcast all those years ago. I was tired of hearing about Ohio State. I don't care about Ohio State. I care about what's happening in Cincinnati and Dayton. I mean, granted, Cincinnati Sports Radio is better. I like listening to Moe Eger in the afternoons. But the problem is, uh, heading north from Kettering to downtown Dayton, I don't get 1530 that well. And sometimes when I'm driving up Marshall Road to get to uh, Day Air Ballpark, I get 1410. And I don't want that. I don't want to listen to it. So, yeah. But then I I just see that. People aren't listening to this podcast anymore, and that just it gets to me, you know? I I try my best to have a good podcast with good audio quality, good topics, covering the local teams, and it just feels like it falls on deaf ears. Like, you know, what, what do I need to do? So, yeah, I did think about closing the podcast altogether. I eventually said, no, don't be stupid. You're good at this podcasting thing. You're doing this to prove... To the employers in Dayton that uh, they're, you know, it's their loss. It's their loss for not hiring you. So, yeah, so this podcast is back. I promise I'm not shutting it down, but I did consider it. Just the low ratings, the low appreciation. And lately, my uh, (laughs) lately trying to get questions for Malin's mailbag has been like pulling teeth. Whereas I might get one. And in fact, I think I do have one. I'll try to find it before uh, we end the episode today. But I just feel like, you know, why am I doing this? Am I really doing it for myself? And then maybe someone will listen in. It's just—it's been—it's been been tough. I'm a type of person that, you know, yes, I don't need to know that I'm doing a good job, but I need to know that people appreciate the job I'm doing. I know I put in the work and the quality, and I know I produce quality, you know, a quality product. It just, sometimes it feels like, you know, people that don't pay attention. It's just, what am I doing it for? So I've been battling that a lot lately, and I've been kind of in a press spiral because of that. My fiance really doesn't know about it because I've been hiding it. But, yeah, I'm telling you, the listener, that, you know, honestly, I did think about shutting down the podcast. And thanks for that laptop for fading on me. And, you know, I I honestly thought about quitting podcasting. But then I decided, you know, then who's going to talk about Dayton sports? Channel 7 doesn't even have a replacement for Mike MyCardSuck, and it doesn't sound like they're going to. Like I mentioned, uh, sports radio in Dayton, I think, is uh, not good. And if you like Ohio State and the same topics that are being spewed about national pundits, then there you go. That's your tea, but it's certainly not mine. So that's why this podcast is here to stay, and hopefully I'll get back to a regular schedule. I'm saying hopefully, which, you know, next week I should have an episode Thursday or Friday, depending on, you know, how things bounce. I'm still moving stuff around the new place. But, yeah, I'm going through that point where, you know, I'm questioning, who cares? And looking at the numbers, it seems like not a lot of people care, and I do have to turn my phone on vibrate when I have it on here. That is a good thing to remember. Having my own recording desk and everything. Hmm. It's so interesting. So this podcast is back and I pledge to you that unless something happens to me in terms of health or, you know, moving or I get out of the field entirely, which I don't plan on doing, I will not stop this podcast. I pledge to you and I pledge to local teams that deserve coverage that I care about local sports. Why I have this podcast, and that's why I'm telling you that I'm not going anywhere. So, with that being said, with all the melodramatic, you know, tension out of the way—I guess you can call that tension—it's time to talk about local Sunday sports. And we're going to be focusing today on baseball. There'll be a future episode for soccer for the Dayton Dutch Lions, FC Cincinnati, Columbus Crew. Although before we dive into baseball, I will say the two names for the new stadiums in Ohio, not great. So the Columbus Crew recently announced that their new field is going to be called Lower.com Stadium. You can stop laughing I'm talking now. Lower.com stadium and of course I think I talked about this on the 513 day that Cincinnati's field is T- uh, FC Cincinnati's field is TQL stadium which is a local company and that was their first ever dive into stadium naming rights. Which uh, if you don't know what TQL is they hit up a lot of like recent college graduates. They hit me up for about six years, and then they finally stopped. It's its just entry-level stats, from what I understand. I didn't get an interview. They kept, you know, say, hey, you'd be good for a job when I actually applied. Nope. So, there you go. So, yeah, there's your two new names, and we're getting out of the international break. It'll be interesting to see how MLS season kicks back up. Of course, the Dayton Dutch Lions in town, the Cincinnati Sirens, the new USL League 2 team in Cincinnati, Kings Hammer FC. I mean, there's tons of great local soccer teams to talk about. But again, not till next time, because we have a lot of baseball catch up on. And we're going to start with collegiate baseball. So there was one team in Ohio. That made the big dance, the Wright State Raiders. What a season Wright State had. I mean, you're talking about a team that was consistently in the top and scoring runs. This team had it all. I mean, this is probably one of the strongest Wright State teams I've witnessed in my 15 or so years following Wright State baseball. And saying that, that means a heck of a lot. Of course, Quincy Hamilton, Tyler Black, probably your two mainstays on that team, and I think they are the best chance Raiders to get drafted. Of course, there's the University of Dayton Flyers. Both these teams, Wright State and Dayton, I am the PA announcer, so I see these teams constantly. Great season for the Dayton Flyers. Started off rough, but once Atlantic 10 play hit, I tell you, Dayton almost was untouchable. There was that rough series at Davidson, but after that, you know, taking three out of four against George Mason at home with the only loss being at day ballpark, what experience that was. And then sweeping George Washington to get into the Atlantic 10 playoffs when only four teams were allowed. UD got the number two seed and they got back to the Atlantic 10 title game, but fell a little short to top seed and host. VCU. Whereas the Wright State Raiders they held the Horizon League tournament again at Nishwood Stadium and they came away big winners. The only close game was the first one where they defeated Milwaukee 4 to 3 and I believe the championship game ended something like 21 to 3 in favor of Wright State. So yeah, to say that we got two great D1 teams in just the Dayton Ohio area, that's huge. I will also mention that the Cincinnati Bearcats, they went 0-2. They had a pretty good year, but they went 0-2 in the AAC dance. The Xavier Musketeers, for the past few years, they've been holding the Big East Tournament at Prasco Park in Mason, Ohio. And the Musketeers got to the championship game to force a winner-take-all Game 7. And the Musketeers came up a little short in that game, but... Still being on the bottom side of the bracket to force a winner-take-all, that's huge. So the Muskies a good year. Miami, okay year, but the Mid-American Conference did not have a tournament. The automatic bid went to the regular season winners in the Chippewa's Central Michigan, a team we got to see at UD. And Northern Kentucky, tough year. I believe they finished as the five seed, only the top four seeds made it into the Horizon League and Norfolk Kentucky was not one of them. Incidentally, though, there was a fellow Norfolk Kentucky Norse on Fort Wayne's team, the Tin Caps, Fort Wayne Tin Caps. And he got to pitch the opening game where the Dragons walked it off. We'll talk a little bit more about the Dragons. Very exciting time. And I hope you stick around for that. But college baseball in the books. It's been in the books. The Raiders, they fell on a walk-off Grand Slam to host Tennessee, and then fell 11-6 to the Duke Blue Devils. Yes, you can say that the Raiders got gypped because, you know, the RPI, they had them in, what, the top 25, top 30? And yet, still a 4 seed? Yeah, the NCAA didn't do any favors for Wright State. I would assume that if it was that team in Columbus, they'd have them as a number 1 seed, even though they go 0-56, but, you know... We're not talking about that. We're talking about the Wright State Raiders, because this is the podcast of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Anyway, so the Raiders, tough way to end the season, but nothing to hang your heads about. That is a great team. Alex Sogard has done a great job leading the Raider gang. Jason King's done a great job leading the Flyboys. I mean, both of those gentlemen, you know, they have made their programs that much better. And it's great to see that Dayton, Ohio, has not one strong college baseball team, but two strong college baseball teams. And I can't wait what 2022 holds for both those programs. And now it's time to jump to the Dayton Dragons. This is a Dayton Dragons squad playing their first year in Advanced A after all the MILB reclassification. And yeah, and Rob Manfred's dream of crushing the sport he's the commissioner of, but more on that some other time. We're talking about the Dragons. Now in Advanced Day, now in a ballpark called Dare Ballpark instead of Fifth Third Field, which is just the same field with different naming rights. It's always funny that Fifth Third Field's a Cincinnati bank, and now it's a Dayton area credit union that has their name on the ballpark. Also, if you've never been to the ballpark with the new logo, the shield has the letters that actually change colors, which I think is a really cool touch. So let's talk about the Dayton Dragons. This is a team that's currently in first place in the former Midwest League. It is no longer called the Midwest League. They lost a few teams Clinton Burlington to the Prospect League after they were cut from affiliated baseball. Kane County as well. Kane County now an independent team in the American Association. And the Bowling Green Hot Rods moved back down south. So four teams missing out of the former Midwest League. But the rest are still around. And most of them kept their previous Affiliations: Dayton still with the Cincinnati Reds, which is a perfect relationship there. Lake County still with the Cleveland Indians. West Michigan with the Detroit Tigers. Fort Wayne with the San Diego Padres, which, I mean, they've been going together since, what would that be, 1999? And before that it was the Minnesota Twins. That's why Fort Wayne got that team, thanks to the Twins moving from Kenosha to Fort Wayne. Uh, Some changes in the West. Quad Cities no longer with Houston. They're with the Kansas City Royals. Beloit's now with the Miami Marlins. Miami was with Clinton their last year of affiliated ball. Cedar Rapids still with the Minnesota Twins. South Bend with the Cubs. Wisconsin with Milwaukee. And Peoria with St. Louis. So the big change in the East is Lansing's with the Oakland Athletics, formerly the Toronto Blue Jays, which I think it's a weird step. The Athletics... Going to Lansing and Toronto, electing to go to Vancouver. Which, yes, advanced A ball, you don't see a lot of players make this straight jump from A-plus to MLB. You don't, unless it's a rehab assignment. But that doesn't really count. But there you go. That's your high A central The East Division, Dayton, Lake County, West Michigan, Great Lakes, Lansing, and Fort Wayne. In the West, South Bend moves from East to West. And it's Quad Cities, Beloit, Cedar Rapids, Wisconsin, and Peoria. Currently, the Dragons 23-16 and on the year, two up on second place, Lake County. This has been a Dragons team that's been very impressive. A lot of great talent on this Dayton squad. However, this is not a two-half year meaning you have to play the entire year instead of just you know one half, because that's how it works. No, the half was about clinching a playoff spot. If you were first and second, you get a playoff spot. If you weren't, then you play for the playoff spots in the second half. But that's not how it's working. It's now just one whole season, just because of the fact that at the time, they weren't sure if there was a chance to play playoffs. So... There you go. Dayton currently twenty three and sixteen at home, fourteen and seven. and on the road nine and nine. there's not a lot of teams that are at five hundred or over five hundred on the away category. In the east, you have Great Lakes eleven and ten, and Lansing nine and nine, and that's it. Fort Wayne is a staggering four and eleven away from home, and that's the worst mark in the High a Central ranks. In the West, in case you're wondering, the worst and best. The worst is Peoria 7-11. The best is Quad Cities 13 and 10. Quad Cities has themselves a team. They can hit, they can pitch, and they're 25 and 13 for the best mark in the HAC. I call it the high AC. You know. That's also what I say after working outside. Hi AC, it's great to have you again. So, to tell you a little bit more about these Dayton Dragons and who you should be following, we'll start with the offensive side first. Right now, Jacob Herterbees comes to Minor League Baseball from Army West Point, And this is a gentleman that is the fastest player in the Reds farm system. I'm not kidding. This is a dude that constantly beats out routine ground balls for base hits. Herderby's batting 291. On-base percentage of .440, that is the tops on Dayton's squad. And he has stolen 22 bases. He was caught twice yesterday. He's 22 of 26. Your second highest number, well, that would go to Quinn Cotton, who's 11 of 14. Your highest batting average goes to Jacob, excuse me, Francisco Urbaez, ahead of Jacob Hurtubis. Urbaez is batting .314. He has a 10-game winning streak intact. He will likely bring that to action tonight against the Fort Wayne Tin Caps if we have a game, considering these nasty storms. In fact, yours truly is recording this episode during a nasty storm. So let's hope that, you know, nothing gets struck and my Zoom P4 isn't, you know, eradicated by lightning. But, you know, that's the risk I take for you, the listener. So our Baez, 314 batting average, your leading Dragon with RBIs, you're going to go to Quincy McAfee with 26. And there are two more Dragons in the 20 mark. Miguel Hernandez, last night, his 10-game hitting streak was snapped. And today we have a big thunderstorm in the backyard. Great. 20 RBI for Hernandez, 20 RBI for Quinn Cotton, 14 for Herderbees, 12 for Arbaez. Funny story about Urbaez, he's played in 25 games starting the season. He was used in a game or two in a series, but then really started to catch the eye of Jose Moreno, which, by the way, it's a different coaching staff. I believe I mentioned that in previous episodes. But no more Luis Bolivar, who's a United States citizen, but I believe he still lives in Vandalia. He's down in Arizona with the Reds development program. Mario Bautista batting 250. There are a lot of familiar names if you follow the Dragons of years past. Uh, Reniel Ozuna's back. He's hitting 200 in just seven games. Yes, I know that sounds like a low batting average, but he's had a couple of clutch hits to you know, take defeats away from the Dragons and turn them into victories. In fact, Ozuna had that walk-off hit against former NKU North Sam Williams for Tuesdays. Affair. Also, first baseman Alex McGarry, he came in when Brian Ray got the call up. Brian Ray, I believe I mentioned him during the 5-1-3 day. That dude was just out of this world in terms of hitting. So those are the hitters you need to follow for the Dayton Dragons. The pitching core, it's been very, very good. It's also very, very good when... This wants to show me all players and not just three, it feels like. Right now, Eduardo Salazar, he has pitched the most in 41 and two-thirds innings. One and one after eight starts, he will get the ball on Sunday afternoon's game. He pitched on Tuesday, didn't come away with the decision. But Salazar, 3.24 ERA and eight starts, one win, one loss, he is given up. 13 walks, he has struck out 40, and batters are hitting 233 against the starter. Noah Davis, he struggled a bit. He was the first Dragon to take a loss in that rain shortened 1-0 defeat at Great Lakes, the only one that Dayton dropped to begin the season. But he picked up his first win on Wednesday and pitched quite well. I mean, Noah Davis, 1-4, ERA of 3.35, he has struck out 51, but if you think that number's the highest, let me introduce you to Graham Ashcraft. This gentleman is four wins, one loss, 2.33 ERA in eight starts, 38 and two innings pitched, and I believe Tom Nichols, the play-by-play voice of the Dayton Dragons, mentioned that he has a scoreless streak of 23 innings brewing. And I forget what it was for... Allowing an earned run. He's given up a couple unearned runs. But 10 earned runs. 12 total in 38 and 2 thirds. He has struck out 55 and walked 13. So three starters I mentioned there. Quality. Quality. The bullpen isn't too bad either. As I will present to you. A gentleman that has appeared out of the bullpen 11 times. And is yet to give up a run this season. That'd be Braxton Roxby, 14 and two-thirds innings, four hits. He has walked eight, struck out 25, and batters are hitting a very, very low number of 083. Yeah, this dude coming out of the bullpen, he wasn't even drafted. He wasn't. I know the previous draft was a grand whopping five rounds, you know, because who needs you know talent when there's so many baseball programs and baseball is a world sport? You can make the argument it's a world sport behind or ahead soccer. I'll let you decide your preference there. But yeah, I mean, Roxby's story is great. One win, no loss, three saves out of three opportunities in 14 and two-thirds innings. So again, there's quality here, and this is a team that is quite strong. So if you're looking for a minor league team that's kicking some butt, you can do a lot worse than the Dayton Dragons. This is a team that I think, if they keep this pace up, they'll have first place at the end of the year. Now, granted, this year is a little bit different because of the fact that, oh yeah, series are all six games and you're at a place for a week, then I believe that's done to help limit the spread of COVID because, you know, you don't travel as much and you don't see as teams, which most of the squads we've seen have five starters. So if you start the first game, you're starting the last game unless, you know, something happens or the coach decides, hey, well, we'll try a sixth starter. The Dragons have been very consistent where they will go with Tuesday starter in Sunday's place. So again, if you want to see a good minor league baseball team, head over to Day Air Ballpark. Things are starting to get back to normal. To be honest, I liked it when you know it was about the baseball, but people are starting to come in. Last night was the first attendance over 6,000 since the mask mandate was removed in Ohio, and things are getting back to normal. And up next, we'll talk about the Cincinnati Reds. I know I mentioned during the whole spiel, about how I'm going to shut down the podcast. I'm not, I promise. But I was talking about it. The Reds dropped a tough one last night, but back-to-back sweeps at home against Colorado, a team that they probably should have swept on the road, and the Milwaukee Brewers on the road. First time since, oh, I missed it. Oh, a very, very long time ago. I think 2009 is the last time the Reds had a sweep in Milwaukee. Was it 1996? It's it's somewhere out there. It's an old time. The Cincinnati Reds have really kicked it in the gear, and your two top players, Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos, got to see Jesse Winker grow at home with the Dayton Dragons, a homegrown product. You know, just hitting 340 on the year, 17 home runs, and 41 runs batted in. I mean, Winker is having a year. Castellanos batting a little bit better than Winker at the moment. I can see him with the West Michigan Whitecaps my first year with the Dayton Dragons. 348 batting average with 37 RBI and 13 home runs. So those two players, just outstanding. There's no way you can really replace those gentlemen in the outfield. And yes, they should be all-stars. Absolutely. So whenever that starts, it's probably started now. But whenever you get a chance, vote them in to the All-Star Game. And right behind those two gentlemen, 268 batting average, Tyler Stevenson. He's really made his mark. He's, you know, he's done a great job. He spent a couple years in Dayton, but then just really blossomed. And 268 batting average, 18 RBI, Duke can hit. And a backup behind defensive specialist Tucker Barnhart, who by the way, might be having a rough month of June, but still hitting 264. That's why I like to see when the catchers both have great bats. I mean, you got Barnhart who has won a couple gold gloves behind home plate, definitely a stud. And Tyler Stevenson, his rookie year, 268. I mean, there's not there's not a lot you can really critique on that, but Tyler Stevenson, Tucker Barnhart doing a great job behind the plate. Jonathan India, his first full year with the Reds. I'm glad they took the chance on him, and it's paying off. He's batting .257. Cooled off a little bit, but 29 RBI, six home runs. And, yeah, I'd say that's a pretty solid first year if he can keep that up. Definitely the second baseman of the future. I also like the pickup of Tyler Naquin. A minor league signing, making the big league club after Shogo Akiyama went down in spring training. Naquin cooling off a bit, but still hitting 255-42 runs batted in. That leads the Cincinnati Reds with 11 home runs. So, yeah. I mean, right now there's the big issue of how do you put up Shogo Akiyama and Aristides Aquino in the outfield when, you know, the best two players are outfielders, so you know left and right are cornered, and then your center fielder normally is Tyler Naquin. Nick Senzel's hurt. Uh, man, I every time Nick Senzel is hurt, I was gonna say Nick Naquin for a minute, I just combine the two. It just it hurts because I want to see Nick Senzel at his healthiest and just hit, and I know he wants to see that too. Now, of course, the big question is. What about Eugenio Suarez's struggles this year? They're well noted, but Suarez is hitting 167. I believe the last time we talked about him, he was in the 130s. So he is getting better. However, still 82 strikeouts. Does have 14 home runs and 36 RBI. Like I said, he is starting to turn the corner, and I think he will. The strikeout number is still going to be high, but, you know... He's starting to get the timing back down and it's just it's rough year. And sometimes you're going to have rough years. The pitching side of things. If you told me that Tyler Malley would become the ace of the Reds and Luis Castillo would have a dumpster fire of a year that he's having. I tell you to go spin and you're a crazy person before this season. Now I'm seeing it with my own eyes. I should go spin, but after this podcast, seven and two record for Tyler Malley, an ERA of three point three nine and fourteen starts, seventy four and a third of ninety strikeout, twenty three walks, so that ratio is eye popping there in a good way, twenty nine total runs, all but one earned, fifty eight hits, walking twenty three, an average of two twelve against. So yeah, I'd say Malley probably taking over the starting ace role until you know Luis Castillo can get back into form. Castillo, his ERA is dropping a bit. It got as high as 8 something I think, but it's now at 5.83, which again, if you told me that happened for this season, I'd tell you you're a crazy person. 14 starts, 2 and 9 record, 71 innings, he has struck out 67, walked 30, average of 2.75 against. So yeah, that's a little high. Wade Miley, he's done a nice job with the Reds. He has spent time on the IL. Did no-hit the Cleveland Indians. There's been a rash of no-hitters through MLB. But Miley, 6-4, and four, 288. ERA had the no-decision last night. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. got the first run home. And I forget who got the second home run off him. But he gave up two home runs after his no-hitter collapsed. So a 6-4 and four record and 12 starts, one complete game, and a shutout. 56 strikeouts, 19 walks. Not bad numbers there. Lucas Sims out of the bullpen. He is 4-1. His ERA is up there at 423. A couple rough outings and 26 appearances out of the pen. With seven saves, he has blown two opportunities He has struck out 43, walked 14, but he's starting to get back into shape, especially with TJ Antone, who's been a really nice surprise out of that pen. However, he's on the IL. The Reds have picked it up since Antone went down. But the big question is, is it sustainable? I certainly hope so. Uh, Acquired for the season, Sean Doolittle, 4.63 ERA. That's up there, but three wins, one save out of three opportunities. And 23 and a third, he has walked 11, struck out 30. Average against a 278, that's up there. Vladimir Gutierrez, what a surprise he has been. Well, I shouldn't say surprise, but the way he's pitched for Cincinnati, oh man, he's got ace stuff, I can tell you. Four starts, three wins, one loss. I believe the one loss he gave up one run, maybe two. I believe it was the Chicago Cubs game. 23 innings, 7 earned runs, 15 hits, walked 10, struck out 19, average against of 185. So yeah, Gutierrez should stick in the starting rotation. Sonny Gray on the other side, a little bit of a rough year. He's been on the injury list twice, this being his second time. 1-4, 3.42 ERA in 10 starts, 50 innings, 65K, 20 walks, average of 232 against. So the big thing is, The bullpen has been eh, not great. Bullpen has been hit up a bunch. This is the same song and dance we've been through the past few years. Starting pitching is dynamite. The bullpen is eh. However, with the Reds, I believe they're still in striking distance. I want to say three games now because lost last night. The Cubs... Finally being the Mets. Hey, one out of four. Nice job, Cubbies. Although the Mets are leading the NL East, it's just always a great day to poke at the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Brewers and just everyone that's not Cincinnati. The Reds are now three back of first, two back of second place Milwaukee after the walk-off loss. Cubs are 39-30, Brewers 38-31, Reds 35-32, which for a long time, the Reds just never could get that hurdle over 500. It seemed like every time the Reds were in striking distance, here comes a r- losing streak. And you know, the Reds finally cut through the tape. It's like that one uh, segment in Family Guy where everyone's scared of the yellow tape, and then the Reds finally bust through. It's like, hey, over 500. This is nice. A game over, fourth place, St. Louis, 35-34 Cardinals, and the Pirates are sitting at 23-44. and 44. Another rough year for Pittsburgh baseball, but you know, I like I like the way that the Reds have been playing lately. This has been a fun team to watch, and it's great to see so many Reds fans enjoying the season. You know, it didn't look like it was going to be that way after you know, a couple losing stretches, but hey, beats being the Diamondbacks who have lost what is it now 33 straight road games, something like that which is the worst ever since modern baseball kept those stats back in 1900. Yeah. Now my big question is why couldn't that happen before the Reds visit Phoenix, Arizona, but let bygones be bygones series continues in San Diego. It's a four game swing. Uh, Tony Santion gets to start ERA of 1.93 going against three and five paddock for tonight, Friday, Vladimir Gutierrez goes on Saturday. Luis Castillo going on Sunday against Yu Darvish. Man, it is nice to see Yu Darvish away from the Cubs because he did have the Reds number when he's in the Chicago Blue. So the Reds, you know, it's been fun watching. It's been, well, fun listening. I wish I could watch on Ballet Sports Ohio. But since I don't get that channel, you know, I listen to the radio. So again, four games, swing in San Diego, then two in Minnesota. Rough year for the Twins. And then back home on the 24th for four against the Atlanta Braves. A makeup game against the Philadelphia Phillies on the 28th. And then San Diego comes into town to close out June and open up July. And that's your look at the Cincinnati Reds. To close out the episode, we're talking about the Prospect League. This is my second stint back in the PL. I'm with the Champions City Kings for all home games on Prospect League TV, where you can watch for $7.99 a game or buy the season pass for $95. And the season pass includes the away games done by the other teams. But let's talk about the Prospect League. There are 16 teams. The Two from the Midwest League, again, the Clinton Lumber Kings and the Burlington Bees. Burlington currently leads their division, and Clinton is suffering a six-game losing streak after having a hot start to the season. There's also the Alton River Dragons. I make the mention from time to time, if they were the Alton Browns, I would be a total nerd for that because, you know, the host of Good Eats. But they're the River Dragons, which is a pretty unique and catchy name. I'm with the Champion City Kings, and there are two teams in Ohio we talk about. We talk about the Kings in Springfield and we talk about the paints of Chilla Coffee, which, yes, I know is technically out of the Miami Valley, but they're kind of close enough where I squeeze them in anyway. The Champion City Kings are 12 and 6. This is a prospect league that will play in two halves. And we have reached the halfway point, actually few games over the halfway point now. It is the winner of the division that gets to the playoffs in each half. If you're second place, tough luck. Try for the other half. If it's the second half, sorry, you're not going to the playoffs. So the Kings currently have a two-game lead for first, 12-6. West Virginia, 10-8. Two games back. Five games back, 7-11, the chill of Coffee Paints. And seven and a half back, the 5-14 Johnstown Mill Rats. So yeah, say that this Champion City team is, Dynamite is underselling them. This is a great bunch of guys. I love working for the Kings, and it's always nice to broadcast. Unfortunately, I still have a long wait. It's long for me. Shut up. As Wednesday, the Kings are back in town against the Terre Haute Rex. If you don't want to watch my broadcast, I don't know why. I mean, I do a great job. But if you like to see it in person, it's Carlton Davidson Stadium on Mitchell Boulevard in Springfield. Ticket prices are very reasonable, even on fireworks nights, which that won't be to the last regular season home game. Fireworks night tickets are ten bucks, and everything else is less during the regular season. In fact, in our next Tuesday home game, uh, ticket prices are just two bucks, so you can literally get into the game and feed yourself for about a ten dollar purchase yeah that's a great deal kings 12 and 6 on a five game winning streak the longest winning streak for the kings six over 500 and coming off a 10 inning affair at chilla coffee last night four to three yours truly also writes the majority of the game recaps so that'll be what i do next after uploading the latest episode of the local Sunday sports podcast Yeah, this team's keen. The biggest thing I can tell you, this team loves to hit. Uh, The last home game, they were fourth in the prospect league in batting average. And currently, this team is now hitting 301. If I can find quickly about the stat leaders. In fact, our first baseman, Lucas Galdoni, is hitting 500. Now, you might be making the... Oh, so lovely comment to yourself. Well, I bet he's only played in one game. You're just overselling it, Lee. Where's my Ohio State talk? It's not here. But I can tell you that Lucas Galdoni has played in pretty much all the games, except one week where he was away from the team. I can tell you that this Champion City Kings team, now batting 301, is tops of the prospect league. One batting average point ahead of their next opponent, where they visit on the road, the Lafayette Aviators. And what a season Lafayette has been having. 301 batting average, leading the entire 16 team league. That's outstanding. 301. I will tell you that pitching wise, the Kings were towards the middle of the road. This is a this is a prospect league where you know you're going to give up runs, but Champion City ERA's been sticking around the five sixty three mark as a team. That is, I think, one or two spots past halfway point. Johnstown, one of the new teams in the Eastern Division, they currently have the highest ERA at seven point three two. Lowest will go to O'Fallon. And the Hoots of Missouri at 3.32. That's also the former home of the River City Rascals. You might remember them for taking the Frontier League title away from the Freedom of Florence. Now the Florence Y'alls. So hitting definitely the cream of the crop for Champion City. And I like to go back to tell you about Champion City's team. I mentioned Lucas Galdoni, the first baseman from Butler University. He's hitting 500 on the year. He's also the closer for the champion city Kings. And at one point his three saves were the top of the prospect league. I don't believe that's the case anymore. 23 of 46 in 14 games played 12 RBI and one home run, a total of eight extra base hits. This is a dude that can play. Also there's a Cincinnati, Ohio kid and chase Carney that's hitting the ball extremely well. Only hitting 480, 36 of 75, with 22 runs batted in and five home runs. The five home run mark leads the Kings. Ben Ross, a former Springfield Shawnee Braves baseball player, well, he's only hitting 395. He's hitting 30 of 76, with 15 runs batted in, four home runs. And this is a dude that can swipe the bags. 10 stolen bases for Ross. That is first place by a wide margin. He's five better than Chase Carney. And Dallin Leach, who's one of four catchers available for Champion City. 392 batting average, 12 RBI with two homers, 20 of 51. J.J. Weatherholt, he started off the year late I'll tell you why in a second, but he is bounced back nicely. He's hitting 333. And that's just the top five in the batting average. We got Edric Badia, who's hitting 286. We've got Brent Witter, who's hitting 286. Mitch Oakley is hitting 282, which is lowered a bit, but we got some really nice batting averages here. I mean, this is a team that leads the prospect league in hitting. Just, it's outstanding. And Chase Carney, 36 hits. That leads the team. I believe that's tops in the Prospect League. Pitching wise, there are a few Springfield, Ohio natives. Gage Phipps, Gage Voorhees. Voorhees went last night. He started. He gave up an earned run in six innings pitched. He actually battled quite strongly. 23 and a third, ERA of 3.08, and a win and a loss. For Voorhees, a lot of the position players have been pitching for Gavin Murphy, who's the manager of Champion City. And also, this is his first head coaching role. So that's really cool to see as well. Voorhees leading the pitching core for the Kings and strikeouts with 24. Jake Miller, who gets the ball tonight at Lafayette, he's one behind with 23. So, unless he has a very rough outing against the Aviators' Bats, he should jump ahead of Voorhees this will be Miller's third start on the year one win no loss on the season so the Kings they have assembled themselves quite a team this is a franchise since 2014 that's never been to the playoffs they're the former Slippery Rock Sliders a team that I am very familiar with when I was with the Richmond River Rats And I'm glad to see that they've made a home in Springfield, Ohio. And I am also proud to be a part of it. So again, Prospect League TV, go and watch it. The Kings, not that long away from clinching a spot in their first ever playoff trip. In fact, what did I say? 12 and 6, that's 18 games. This is a 30-game half. So yeah, 12 more games left in the half. And Jake Miller goes tonight for Champion City. He'll be opposed by Teddy Natter of Lafayette. This is at Loeb Stadium, so if you want to make the trip to Western Indiana in these storms, no, catch catch some summer games. No, we got a great team in Springfield, and there's no reason why you shouldn't catch it. It's a great price, and it's a great product. College kids swinging wooden bats—what's not to love? It's wooden bats. And plus, this is a really, really likable group of guys. I mean, I I enjoy, you know, I enjoy working for anyone. That's, you know, that's not to be questioned. I'm a broadcaster. I will enjoy my broadcasting role. I mean, if the Kings were in last place of you know, a 6-12 and 12 record, I'd still be ecstatic that I got a chance to. But this is a very special team. I recommend coming out to seeing the Kings At least once, but you still got plenty of time. It's only June and the season ends. And well, the regular season ends the first week of August and playoffs go until August 15th. So definitely it's a time to catch some summer baseball. Also, the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League just started. They start a little bit later than what the Prospect League does, and their season lasts a little bit shorter. And I am glad to see I entered in the wrong thing. I can buy glscl.com for the low price of $2,095. Oh, boy. You are not going to sell me on that one. No way. I thought I typed in the right address, and it turns out, no, I did not. We'll take a quick peek at the Great Lakes. I'm trying to keep this episode within an hour. Because I read that if you keep episodes within an hour, you can put them up on IGTV, which is Instagram's live streaming. So definitely, I want to do that. Your standings in the GLSCL 2021 test. Not sure why the test is there. Well, might be helpful if you know it wasn't in test because everyone is O and o. I can definitely tell you that is not the case. Your standings now look like this. We focus mainly in the South. That's where most of the local teams are. The Ohio Bison, formerly the Licking County Settlers. They're 9-2. Great start for the Bison. Hamilton Joes, 7-5, tied with the Cincinnati Steam. The Richmond, Indiana Jazz, 6-6. The Xenia Scouts, 4-8. And And the Ohio Marlins of Circleville, 2-9. In the North, we have two local teams, the Grand Lake Mariners and the Lima Locals but the locals do not lead the north division this is a north division with 8 teams compared to 6 for the south not sure why there couldn't be a split but anyway lima is 7 and 5 sandusky ice haulers 7 and 6 royal oak leprechauns they're in michigan 6 and 6 muskegon clippers 6 and 7 michigan monarchs 5 and 6 Galleon graders 4 and 7 and grand lake is 4 and 8 and that's your look at the Great Lakes. We'll focus those two leagues as the season goes on. But a quick shout-out to the state champs in OHSAA High School Baseball. Division Three. the title coming to Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy by knocking off Archbold 4-1. The Eagles are the D3 state champs. These games will play at Canal Park at Akron, home of the AA Akron Rubber Ducks. Division two, no local teams to speak of in the championship game, but Hamilton bayton looking for their first state title since 1996. And the Bain Rands came home empty by a loss to Bloom Carroll, four to one. Bloom Carroll fell short to Akron Archbishop Holben, two to one. In division four, you have Van Wert, Lincoln View which, yes, that's a county north of the Miami Valley, but they're still local enough, so we talk about them. They fell short to John F. Kennedy for nothing. And in Division I, the Elder Panthers making it to the title game but falling just a run short to the New Albany Eagles 6-5. to That is not a hockey title for you there. That's baseball and the Panthers just a bit short. And that's your look at baseball, and that ends Episode 214. Again, this podcast is not going anywhere I will also make a mention that whatever you're listening to, your platform choices, if anything is screwed up, please let me know because yours truly switched the hosting account from Anchor to Red Circle. I just had enough with Anchor not giving me, you know, chances to market the podcast. So time to move on. So again, now hosted on Red Circle. You don't need to really worry about that unless there's a platform where you can't listen to The actual podcast, and there went my bottle. Darn. This is the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. It's great to be back, and it's great to be recording on a desk and not on my bed with my headset that is rattling. I appreciate you for listening to this podcast, and I promise you that I'm not going anywhere. This podcast isn't going anywhere. I was frustrated and I had to vent my anger out. But hopefully, Next episode will be next week. Can't make any promises, but that's the plan. And we'll talk some soccer then. There's a question from Matt Morris in Malin's mailbag, but we're going to save that for the soccer episode, which we will talk about FC Cincinnati, Columbus Crew, Dayton Dutch Lions, King's Hammer, Cincinnati Sirens. We're going to talk about some local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports, unlike Dayton Sports Radio. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off. Visit the website, SindayPod.com, and I'll talk to you again real soon, listener. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure and bookmark SindayPod.com, the official website of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way of listening to future episodes on platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. You can also find the Redbubble and TeePublic shops there, too, where all podcast merchandise purchases go to help the podcaster. Follow on social media at SindayPod and the Lead W. Mowen on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This closing theme was created with the Splash app. This is Lee W. Mowen saying thank you again for listening, and we'll talk more local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports next time.